Welcome to the Lab Podcast, where we empower women to use the repertoire to heal and thrive. I'm Lynn Rain. I'm Regina Chow Trammell. And I'm Yvette Latende. We are Latina, Asian, and Black professional women. There is a need for professional women to share their perspectives while navigating our roles. We cover cultural ways of thinking that shape this discussion and share practical tips for managing stress, thinking through identity, navigating life stage change, and living in abundance. This is The Lab. On this episode, we talk about healing as we work. Uh, Welcome, ladies. I think a nice segue into this topic is talking about how we all met and how we formed a relationship at work as we were healing and thriving in our work. Um, So just a little context. At work, uh, we were trying to meet requirements around scholarship for promotion and tenure. Uh, We were all coming from different backgrounds and places and spaces, meaning we were all in relationships for different lengths of time. We're from different cultural backgrounds. We were at different places in our career, right? Some of us assistant professors are new to higher ed and some of us had been there for a while. Um, And we were all dealing with various levels of stress and workplace bullying and general lack of support, I would say. Um, So we met in this small class that was focused on community and scholarship. And in that setting, we developed rapport, we built trust, we started empathizing with one another, hearing each other's stories. Um, And I think that's a great segue into healing as we work. So when I think about this topic, one of the people's work that I'm in love with right now, her body of work, her name is Dr. Stephanie Evans, Stephanie Yvette Evans. She has comprehensive work on Black women's health. She actually created a database for Black women's health and mental health. Um, And she really uses biographies of people like Rosa Parks and Nikki Giovanni. She talks about herself and hundreds of other Black women. um, And she extrapolates those diverse um, strategies they use to heal as they were civil rights leaders, as they were doing scholarship in their Um, specific disciplines, as they were healing their communities, as they were being mothers and uh, servant leaders in the community. So she discusses yoga. She discusses, and she uses yoga very broadly speaking. She talks about it as prayer, meditation, movement. She also talks about writing as a healing Right. So we write as a to meet our requirements for work, but writing as also being healing. She talks about service. Right. And the fields that we come from, service is one of those requirements we have to meet. But the way that we do it and where we serve can also be healing for us as well. So she talks about this collective pursuit of wellness and justice um, and meditation, um, just to name a few. Um, so often Latina, Asian, and Black women are often called into organizations to fix something, to care for a situation. They're brought in as transformers and to help organizations meet their expect- expectations around diversity. And so while there's diversity, we might not always be included and equity might not be present. So when I think about Dr. Thema 
Tama Bryant Davis's work. Um, she's an associate professor of psychology at Pepperdine University. She does a lot about race-based trauma stress, traumatic stress. Um, and she talks about the emotional in injury that comes with that. So I've kind of struggled with the term of healing because I thought I've been thinking a lot lately since 2020 when things have become more public, uh, race-based traumatic stress becoming more public, meaning it's on TV now. We can't deny it. Um, the concept of how do you heal when you keep being injured on a regular basis, right? Because usually when we hear the term healing, so if, if one of my kids had an injury, I could say they're healing because they're no longer being cut open or, you know, the wound is now having an opportunity to grow a scab and actually heal. But the concept of healing when you're constantly being re-injured um, it's something that I definitely have been thinking about a lot. Um, so Dr. Tamer Bryan talks about um, race-based traumatic stress and stress in general, work-related or not. And I want to acknowledge that when we use the term work, uh, the ladies here at this podcast, we are including stay-at-home moms. If anybody is working, you women are working. <laughs> That is work. We consider that work. And so you are included in this conversation. And so when we're dealing with traumatic stress and toxic levels of stress, whatever that is, um, the research says it can overwhelm a person's capacity to cope. It can cause bodily harm. It causes fear and helplessness and horror. It contributes to poor health. We see it show up as diabetes, high blood pressure, hypertension. Uh, we also know that people under this continuous level of toxic stress or race-based trauma are also hypervigilant. And so sometimes they're perceiving a lack of safety when there's not an actual real threat. Um, and so those low perceptions of safety may make people act in particular ways. So typical strategies for healing could be going to see a doctor. It could be mental health services or therapy. Um, it could be a lot of things. So, but to expand that, research tells us that service to others, writing, teaching, mentoring, self-care, utilizing our faith and faith and all of those things are also healing. So Lynn, tell us about a time when your work healed you and how you believe your work supports other people's healing. Thanks, Yvette. What a great question. You know, in my in my role as a psychotherapist, um, I always say when I walk into my office, um, you know, you know, my other roles, you know, I walk into my office when I leave, I'm drained and exhausted. And ironically, you would think as a psychotherapist, when I walk into my, my therapy office that I would leave exhausted, right? Hearing people's pains and suffering and whatever, you know, is going on with them at that moment in time. But ironically, when I leave my office, I feel great. I feel restored. Um, so I love that question because I do think that work um, heals me at times. So, you know, the in that role, obviously, I think that, um, again, when I'm providing therapy and I work primarily with women, um, I think giving them space and validating their experiences, you know, a lot of my clients are working moms or, you know, women that are, you know, 
trying to start dating or trying to get married or trying to conceive a baby and while navigating the workplace. And I think validating these experiences and how difficult it is to navigate all those roles, empowering and giving them a voice, and then to see them being empowered and going to their places of work and making a difference for themselves, being making, you know, expressing their needs, making themselves be seen and valued. Um, that brings a lot of healing to me. I kind of see it as a collective healing. Um, I walk alongside their pain and suffering and that journey towards healing. And I think when I, when I hear these um, success stories, that's a collective healing for me because maybe it wasn't me personally at work, but it's all these women that through the work I do with them are kind of changing the workplace, kind of setting up the precedence that this is not okay. Um, so I see that as kind of a collective healing. How about for you, Regina? Can you think about, about a time that work healed you or how you believe your work um, supports other people's healing? Absolutely. Thanks for this question, Lynn and Yvette. I think it's so important for us to always be on the forefront of recognizing too, being aware of the places that we need to heal emotionally or even physically. So thanks for this conversation, because I think for me, a lot of my research has come out of this need for healing and place of healing. Like Lynn, you know, as a psychotherapist, it is, it's been so, it is odd, right? Like of just thinking, gosh, when we meet with our clients, that it's healing, but it, it it's because uh, they just, they're amazing. They're amazing. So you're around these remarkable people who are working toward their healing, right? And so it's inspiring, but my research is on mindfulness. And the reason I think I chose it is because it was such a healing space. Um, I used to run a group for years of sexually assaulted women who were sexually assaulted. And we used a lot of mindfulness just to bring calm and clarity, right, to these women's experiences. And then for me, learning more about mindfulness, this started kind of back in my dissertation, you know, it was healing for me because number one, it was a stressful time, was I had younger kids, I was working my doctorate, I was also balancing a job. And so just being able to intimately understand mindfulness and that work and to write about it, and to uncover, I had a professor who did such a good job in my doctoral research, Dr. James Eller, who really to, uh, really challenged us to dig deeper, what is kind of the meaning and the theory, and then in mindfulness with the religion behind it. And I was able to trace all of that back to my paternal side, who are Buddhists, and then integrate that thinking about my own faith as a Christian. And so through that whole process... I felt like I got to know my family better. I got to know myself better. I, I got to know why I was drawn to this um, mindfulness work because I was stressed out, you know, better. And so just even, you know, I would, part of the research was I had to go and, and I challenged myself to go to Shilai temple. It's the biggest Buddhist temple in uh, the Western part of the world. And it's right in our backyard. Um, and being able to balance kind of thinking through, you know, confronting questions of faith and identity and family and history. I just feel like that work, it was so rich 
And so anyways, I just, and just the practice of it, I love. So that's just a great example. I think for me that I hold on to is like, I want to make sure that whatever I write about or whatever I, you know, put effort, time, my blood, sweat, and tears in, it better be, you know, it better lead to kind of some healing space. That's what's sustainable for me. And that helps me get to know, I just think it helps with, um, learning more about yourself too. So anyways, I just think that healing at work is possible and (laughs) picking the right topics, I think is also, how about you, Yvette? Tell us about a time when your work healed you and how believe your work supports other people's healing. Great question. Um, So in my work, I focus on helping organizations create safe spaces for Black families to engage with schools um, because there's a lot of barriers. Um, And that work is healing and painful because in doing that work, I help to uncover lots of points of trauma and pain and areas that need healing in organizations and how they work with families. Um, And it also taps, of course, into my own background Uh, Because a lot of our work that we do comes from a very personal place. A lot of us picked um, our research topics or our our area of expertise uh, because there is some kind of personal connection somewhere along the way, even if it's um, changed over time to become a little bit broader. Um, I also in my work get to carry the stories of other people that don't get to get hurt. Um, because of structural things that have happened in society, um, I feel like I'm a midwife to the stories of lots of Black women, women of color, and families, um, and in a strengths-based way. I get to tell the, the stories of abundance, the stories of the research, the resources, the stories of how hard they're working to advocate um, to counter to counter a lot of the negative perceptions and stereotypes of Black families and Black women. So that's definitely healing for me um, because, again, it's kind of advocating and being a voice for my community whose voice isn't always found in scholarship and in books and in certain spaces. Um, And then as as we all know, because we're all scholars that write, writing is healing. I just find the act and the process of engaging in writing no, what, no matter if that writing is for publication or not, it's just, I just find it absolutely healing. I love writing and that's why I make space for it. And so whether that's journaling, whether that's carrying someone else's story, whether it's autoethnography, um, I just find the process of writing very therapeutic. So I love that part of my job. I never complain about the writing because somehow I feel like it's an added bonus for me. Regina, what do you think about the concept of healing as we continue to be traumatized, you know, or targets of violence and ignorance? What do you think about that concept? Thanks, Yvette. I Like you said, it's a challenge because when we're continued to be hurt in the process of healing, how do we gain, right? How do we actually make some progress? And I think in that sense, healing, there's no end point right? It's, it's a journey and it's a, yeah. And I think different stages of life. I think back to kind of, you know, I 
I work with women too. And we think about all the stages of life that we go through, you know, in our twenties and think about body image and how we present into our thirties. And maybe, maybe we're single, or maybe we're giving birth, but we're going to a lot of people's weddings or whatever the case may be. And I think as we interact with people that we're constantly reminded of our own stories and our own impacts of how people have perceived us and the wounds that we carry. Um, And I just think there's so much there in terms of how do we keep moving forward? And, and I like what you said, Lynn, about the collective strength, because I don't think it's possible to heal by yourself. The saying I always say is um, people hurt you and people will heal you. Right. And it's, it's probably different sets of people. (laughs) That's what we have to recognize. Right. Part of healing is understanding that there are some, I, I think Dr. Tema, who you mentioned earlier, that, that um, you know, she talks a lot about this is, you know, going into these nurturing, healing spaces. I love what you said about being a midwife. We all need midwives in our lives. And that's not necessarily has to be gendered. Maybe there is a male, right, who can heal you. I think it's so important for us to find those communities that help us heal, that we learn from each other. So, I just think it's a perpetual thing. Like maybe once we've healed one part, you know, maybe coming to terms, I think for me as an Asian American, this is very um, salient for our community is like it, we start to become aware of how we've had to assimilate or present more in a white space and, and healing from that and moving on to the next phase, right? What does it then mean to be, Asian American, that's the next kind of healing phase. And then after that, how do we then organize, right, to help make sure that there is space for our community? So I always feel like healing has different journey points, but there is going to be a point of collective action at some point, collective, you know, movement for our communities together. And that doesn't have to be a segregated space. In fact, it shouldn't be. We can all learn from each other, but healing. And any kind of healing, if you look at the concept of healing with trauma, there's always an action piece at the very end, because it's when we give back, you know, whether it's Lynn, you helping your clients or a vet, you writing, when we give back, we are actually healed in that process too, as you all pointed out. So yeah, Lynn, what do you think is a strategy you use to promote your own ongoing healing in the face of adversity and violence? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, it's ongoing. One thing I want to get back to something you said that you said, sometimes the people that hurt you are not going to be the same ones to heal you. And actually, you know, I would say, you know, um, the Latino community, we talk in stories. So I can't answer a question without sharing a story. So I will do that again. But I think, you know, I did have an instance, it's depending on how you look at it. So the people that hurt me ended up healing a part of me because it forced me to take action, which is what you were talking about, right? That you have to take action. So I had a situation at work at the time I had two white women as my bosses and I felt like I was being overlooked. My work wasn't being valued. And, um, we ended up meeting, um, not at my request, but at their request, um, cause they perceived me as being difficult. Um, so we had to have a meeting, uh, And I started that meeting and it's interesting. It was a meeting that I, you know, I I said to myself, you know, this may destroy me in the process, but I need to stand up 
right? As a woman of color, I need to stand up and not allow them to treat me this way. And it was a hard week preparing for that meeting. It did take everything out of me. And I said, (laughs) even if it destroys me in the process, I'm still going to do this. I need to do this for my own healing from that very traumatic experience. And I think one of the first things that I would see a strategy to promote your own healing is to acknowledge the pain. I think as women, we carry a lot and we tend to, especially as minority women, we don't uh, put our needs first. We never do. It's always everyone else but us, whether that's your children, your spouses, your family, your workplace, everyone gets put first but us. So I think it was important for me in that process to you know, acknowledge the pain um, decide not to just ignore it, but to stand up against it and fight it. And that took a lot out of me. It took everything of me in that moment in time. But I think it again, to fight this adversity and to say no more, I had to fight it. I had to, you know, stand up against it. I had to let my voice be heard and take up the space necessary to do so. Set boundaries. I had to set the boundaries because that was what it was about. Um, I had to say no, which I don't like saying no, but I had to say no. Um, And not, I think the most important piece that I walked away from that is not allowing them to make me feel small anymore. And I think that was the biggest piece for me. And again, I think that that's why I say they're the people that hurt me, but also healed me because it forced me to be assertive in order to defend myself, but also to protect myself and to say, no, this is not happening again. This ends today. Yvette, what about some key people that you think stand out uh, as healers in your community? Great question, Lynn. Um, Before I answer that, I just kind of, something came up for me um, when we're talking about healing, um, and I thought about Regina and the concept of mindfulness, sometimes we don't acknowledge that we've also hurt other people with our lack of mindfulness and our rushing and our lack of care and in us trying to be nice uh, versus kind. Um, and so I think we have to acknowledge that too, that that's a place of hurt and healing of us even recognizing that we hurt other people along the way. Um, And that if we are more mindful and bring some attention and intention to what we do, we could then change that energy to to heal those people that we've hurt. And I think I'm mostly speaking about relationships in our home, right? Or those close relationships where we're not always paying attention. We're rushing, we're not as mindful. We didn't do things with care. So in that way, I think we could that the same person that hurt in our case could take the power and also be the healer um, if we put a little intention, intentionality to it. Well, this has been the lab podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's conversation was rich and full of detail on tips that you could take away and healing is work. What can we do individually? Who can we draw from and how organizations can help us? Can you please leave us a comment and rate our podcast and share our podcast with people who need to hear about healing at work? Thank you so much for joining us at The Lab. Thanks for listening to The Lab Podcast, where we empower women to use their repertoire to heal and thrive. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be a replacement for professional services, including psychotherapy. 
Please leave a comment on how this content has served you and find out how to reach us in the show notes.